Coming up, five things that intrigue me from this upcoming matchup against the Houston Astros. Which managers are on the hot seat? And will Joe Madden ever get another job? Coming up next on today's Locked On Diamondbacks podcast. You are Locked On Diamondbacks, your daily Arizona Diamondbacks podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Felt like that was a very weird intro for me, but welcome into the Locked On Diamondbacks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day listening to who? The always charismatic host of this podcast, Miller Thomas, I'm a multimedia journalist, and I'm a graphic designer, so please go check out my website, millerthomas 24myportfoliocom On there, you can see all my latest work, from my packages to my articles to my photos and my graphic design. If you want to see more content by me, just follow me on Twitter, at creatorthomas24 for my personal account, or just look up Locked on Diamondbacks on both Twitter and Instagram for the podcast handle. And of course, thank you for making Locked on Diamondbacks your first listen every day. I would not be able to do this podcast without you, my loyal listeners, sharing, subscribing, reviewing, doing all that so I could do this podcast for you. Thank you. It's free and available on all platforms, so please continue to tell your friends. We're going to be talking to Sully Baseball about a whole, uh, a lot about the managers in baseball because a lot of managers have been fired this season. There are some managers that are on the hot seat and are definitely going to be fired this offseason. And then with those openings, will Joe Madden ever get another job? We speculate on where he can go next, so we talk a whole bunch about managers in baseball with Sully Baseball next and i was supposed to have a crossover with eric heisman of locked on astros we actually did record a crossover but i listened back to it audio was kind of choppy on my end eric sounded great audio was kind of choppy uh, kind of choppy on my end so i'm not going to use the crossover episode that we did so instead after talking to him i wrote down five things that really intrigued me about this houston astros series after talking with eric heisman of locked on astros i came up with these theories or not even theories but just things that intrigue me heading into this matchup because I think this Astro team is a very of course a very quality opponent a World Series favorite and that's why I think this matchup is so intriguing for a few reasons as I said five reasons and the first reason why I think this matchup is so intriguing is because of how quality this Astros team is and how this can be a litmus test for this D-back squad because of course the D-backs supremely young team we got guys like Corbin Carroll Jake McCarthy Josh Rojas making an impact all very young players but the D-backs we know second half of the season 31 and 31 but how many of those wins have come against below 500 teams it feels like a lot or at least teams that are not as good as the teams like the Dodgers and Padres right we struggle still in the second half of the season against the top top teams we have been some good teams in the second half but we still struggle against those tier one teams in the second half so Against this Houston Astros squad, it's another good litmus test for this D-backs team. How good are they currently are with these young players on the roster? And how much more do we still need to go before we can match up against a team like the Astros? Of course, only two-game series, small sample size. I'm not going to make any big proclamations from this series if the D-backs go in there and smack 10 runs apiece in both of those games. I'm not going to say, okay, I saw what they did against the Astros. They beat them 20 to nothing in both games. Now the D-backs are ready to win the World Series next year. I'm not going to say that but still it would be a nice litmus test to see how good this young squad is against this deep talented team of the Houston Astros who still have 
dudes up and there up and down their lineup that can just crush you at the plate. I mean, they still have Jordan Alvarez, who is quietly one of the best sluggers in all of baseball at one point this season. He did have a higher WRC plus than even an Aaron Judge, who we consider potentially the MVP favorite. They got Kyle Tucker, who's a stud. You still got Tuve. Jeremy Pena has had a nice year. Alex Bregman's solid. He's had a really good year as well. So they got boppers in their lineup. You look at that rotation. They are deep. Verlander, Urquidy, Valdez, Garcia, Javier. They got a great bullpen as well. So this will be a good litmus test for the D-backs to go against a quality, talented team like this Astros team and see how they match up, especially considering this Astros team are trying to get ready for the postseason and they're not going to be overlooking the D-backs because even though the D-backs are eliminated from the postseason the Astros do not want to go into the postseason on a cold streak so they are going to play their best against the D-backs and we will get to see potential Cy Young award winner in Zach Gallen or excuse me that was Freudian slip hopefully Zach Gallen wins a Cy Young award but we'll probably see a Cy Young Award, a potential Cy Young Award winner in Game 2 in Justin Verlander. So that will be a great litmus test for this D-backs offense. And speaking of Zach Gallen, the second most intriguing thing to me is that Brenstrom-Zach Gallen connection that they've made this season and the improvements that Zach Gallen has made under Brenstrom because, of course, Brenstrom hails from Houston. He's coming over from the Astros. We've talked a whole bunch about Brenstrom on the Locked on Diamondbacks podcast because He's basically the pitching, he's the Midas of pitching coaches. Whoever Brunstrom touches, they turn into a Cy Young Award winner. That's the way he was able to do in Houston, turn Dallas Keuchel into a Cy Young Award winner, Verlander, Garrett Cole. And these are guys like, these aren't like first and second year players. These are guys who spent a few years in baseball before getting with Brunstrom and then afterwards turning into some of the best pitchers in baseball. So Zach Gallen, he came into his career with one of the what remember if you remember Zach Allen had one of the longest streaks to start your career I think he had the longest streak to start your career of allowing three earned runs or fewer having quality starts so to be with Brent Strom with already having that track record before meeting him now you get with him there's no reason Zach Allen can't also turn into a Cy Young award winner under Brent Strom I think it can happen not this season, but definitely over the next couple of seasons, as long as Brent Strom is on the pitching staff and is a pitching coach for the D-backs, Zach Allen is going to have a very good chance of winning a Cy Young Award in a given season. A third thing that intrigues me from this matchup is Josh Rojas because he was kind of the throw-in piece in that Zank, in that Zach Greinke deal and he's been phenomenal for the D-backs this season maybe his overall slash line is pretty similar to what it was last year because last year um last year Josh Rojas let me pull up his stats real quick that's what I'm trying to like talk and pull up his stats at the same time last year Josh Rojas 264 average this year 263 average last year 752 OPS this year 724 OPS played 20 more games last year than this year his home run total is on a lower pace than it was last year but most of his numbers are pretty much the same as last year the biggest difference really from Rojas previous season to this year is the stolen bases Rojas has turned into a speedster this year, 20 stolen bases in 117 games. I want him to show out against this Houston Astros team because I want them, I want him to prove to that team what they missed out on. I still think he's an improving player. I do think he's a big leaguer. I like what he's done on the D-backs team this season. Yes, he has his up and downs at the plate, but I still think another full season of Josh Rojas next year comes into the season healthy. We'll see what that could mean. He still might not have an everyday spot. Will he be the everyday third baseman next year? Probably not. He'll still probably play 
more than half his games at third while mixing in second base and other positions around the infield. And who knows, maybe a game or two in the outfield, but probably not with how stacked our outfield is right now. So Josh Rojas, third most intriguing thing going to this game because he hails from the Astros. He's had a great season, turned into a speedster, and I want him to show the Astros what they're missing out on in this series. One player who's not going to show the Astros what they're missing out on because he's number four on my list and because he's in the minor leagues is Seth Beer because, of course, Seth Beer is someone that we were really high on entering the season. I really thought Seth Beer could be a major impact player entering the season. I think I might have had him as like my rookie of the year, like the D-backs rookie of the year or maybe the D-backs breakout slugger of the year. I don't exactly remember which one it was, but I definitely thought Seth Beer was going to come into this season and be productive and make an impact for this team. And the first couple weeks of this season, if you remember, Seth Beer was one of the best players in baseball, quite literally, the first couple months of the year. And then team starting to adjust against Brent Strom or not excuse me Brent Strom Seth Beer they started to give him different looks they didn't just leave fastballs over the middle of the plate and then all of a sudden Seth Beer started to struggle and once he started to struggle he just couldn't do anything offensively it felt like he was in a one for 30 um slump because at one point he was pretty damn close to it defensively we know he gives you nothing so he adds a level of intrigue to this matchup because he's someone that I thought was going to be really good, crushed and absolutely raked at every level of the minor league, looked great in a small little stint to end 2021, and then when we finally gave him a shot, gave, an op- gave him an opportunity in 2022, he ran with it for two weeks and then never was able to reclaim the magic once again and just doesn't look like a major leaguer at the plate currently as it stands. Maybe next year we'll give him another shot and maybe he'll be able to keep his bat afloat for a little bit longer than two weeks than what we saw this year. But right now, Seth Beer was a top five prospect in the Astros organization, and he does not seem like he's going to be a future piece of this D-backs team. So that's a level of intrigue right there. And the number five on my intrigue list is the other half of the Zach Granke deal. And I put them both at number five, J.B. Berskakis and Corbett Martin. Because when I think of one, I always think about the other because both of these guys were built to us as maybe elite bullpen arms or Corbin Martin could be a number three starter number two starter for you and then J.B. Berskakis could be the closer of the future but as it currently stands we still don't know what either of those guys are because Corbin Martin when he's pitched this year on the major league on the major league level um he hasn't been very good he hasn't been very effective command all over the place walks a ton of guys gives up a ton of hard contact and then J.B. Berskakis, he's missed most of this year with injury. He was on the 60-day 60 60-day 60 injured list for most of this year. He is in AAA Reno currently, where he does have a pretty good ERA over 18 innings pitch. But will he get the call up to the big leagues before the season ends? We'll see about that. Both of these guys are two guys that intrigue me a lot because I still think there's a lot of talent there. I do think they have some pretty good stuff. I do think they have the makeup of being high leverage relievers in the back end of your bullpen. Maybe Corbin Martin could still be a number five starter in your rotation. At this point, I'm probably thinking that both of those guys could be pretty solid relievers in your bullpen, but I don't know that because I haven't seen them. From what I've seen, I like their stuff, but it hasn't it hasn't been effective just yet. So maybe under Brent Strom, they could hit the levels, the ceilings that we thought that they had when we were when we acquired them, the Zach Rinke trade, because as of right now, they haven't shown really any flashes of hitting those ceilings. But maybe if you're with Brent Strom on the Major League level, um, you know, working with Major League resources, maybe you could 
tap into that potential and make you reach your ceiling. And it's never going to happen unless we call those guys up and get them on the on the big league level. So that's a level of intrigue there for me because I still don't know what those guys are. There's still question marks to me. And because they're so talented and they're still question marks, that's a level of intrigue. So those are my five most intriguing things entering this Astros series. The Astros being a litmus test for how good this D-backs team is. Zach Gallon and the Brent Strom connection. Josh Rojas, Seth Beer, and then the Corbin Martin, J.B. Braskakis. Two players who we just don't know enough about. Now, if you want to bet on the D-backs taking down the Houston Astros in this series, you need to head to betonline.net because it's your number one source for all your football and betting info this season. Find all of the latest player developments, team matchups, news, podcasts, and in-depth articles and analysis on every game you can find. And as always, BetOnline remains your continued source for all your sports wagering information with live betting and up-to-the-minute scores for every sport out there. The fastest and easiest way to check in on all your your favorite games and events including mlb mma boxing and golf head to betonline.net or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and actions betonline where the game starts talk about this it looks like larusa is not coming back this year mm-hmm. um he's probably not. yeah probably i do I, I probably not next year. i mean he's he when you leave for health reasons and you're yeah, his 80. age um you know i i mean i thought it was bizarre that he came back anyway um but you know and look at i wish the man well i mean i'm i'm I don't wish ill upon anybody. Well, there's some people mm-hmm. I wish ill upon, but Tony LaRusso is not one of them. And okay. he's obviously a Hall of Famer, obviously an all-time great manager. And he already is a Hall of Famer. And he tacked on one more division title to his uh, resume. And I wonder if they throw scribble that onto his plaque that's already hanging in, in Cooperstown right now. Um, there are some other – there's other managerial news. Uh, Don Mattingly, uh, who my father used to relentlessly mock – uh, when he was the manager of the Dodgers, I never forget. Um, my dad, may he rest in peace, would watch every single Giants game, and it was in 2014. And the Giants, the year the Giants went on to win the World Series, but the Dodgers actually won the division that year. The Giants were a wild card team, and my dad was talking very confidently about the Giants' chances in the postseason, and said, "Well, look out for the Dodgers, Dad. Look out for the Dodgers. They're they're uh, they look really great." And my dad said. The thing you have to remember about the Dodgers is they're managed by an idiot. Wow. And he was referring to Don Mattingly. (laughs) And then when when they got eliminated in the division series and then the the Giants had a a clear lane to go to the World Series, my father said, remember, they're managed by an idiot. I said, okay, Poppy, get get some Don Mattingly love. Well, unbelievably, he was a manager for seven years with the Marlins. He was there for seven years, and they went to the playoffs in the truncated season, and they won a playoff round. Remember, they beat the Cubs. They actually got to the division series. Um, but there's going to be a big old opening in Miami. Um, there is no way that Phil Nevin is the long-term solution in for the, uh, for the Angels. Um, it looks like the White Sox are going to have an opening, but I think they should just keep Miguel Cairo there 
you know, Miguel Cairo is already there. He already knows the team. He's already, he's had a dry run of it. Um, I, I think he's exactly the kind of manager that should, they should have there. And then there's some teams with interim manager situations. The Phillies and Blue Jays may both be going to the playoffs. So that may secure things for managerial situation there. Um, the Rangers have uh, Tony Beasley, who is a, you know, a lifer in their organization. And it's good that he gets to put major league manager on his resume, but he'll probably have to, you know, fight for his job there. And I actually, you know, I think that, uh, you know, who knows what will happen to Aaron Boone if the Yankees don't get to the world series. And whenever you have older managers like dusty, like Buck Showalter, like Bob Melvin, you kind of have to have your antenna up because they may just wind up saying, Hey, I want to spend some time with my grandkids. And I think that when the twins signed Carlos Correa, their intentions was not to have a losing season. So I think Rocco Baldelli is on a huge hot seat and inevitably there's going to be some manager who's wasn't their fault, but they'll, they have to throw a bone to the fans and, and like, you know, the, in Pittsburgh or in Baltimore, you, or in Baltimore, you're going to see, you know, they're, they're contending. So, but like, you know, who knows, but what are your thoughts on some of these managerial openings and does Joe Madden fit in any of them? Yeah, a lot of a lot of thoughts on these managerial openings. It's been a weird season for managers across baseball. I'll first start with the Twins manager, I guess, Rocco Baldelli. I'll come into his defense. I don't think he should be on the hot seat because even though the Twins kind of faltered down the stretch, I still contend if you look at this team's talent on paper, it's not a very good roster. So the fact that this team was still in it as a wild card team to the final month of the season, I think this team this team is at least moving in the right direction. And I wouldn't fire Rocco Baldelli. I'll move on to Tony Larusa. I don't think it's a surprise that this hasn't worked out. He was old when they hired him, and now he has a step away for health reasons because he's old. That's what happens when you're old. You have health reasons, so wishing the best for Tony La Russa, But Trust me. Trust me is what happens. No, you're you're a young stallion, uh, Sully, so I, won't, I, I don't want to hear that. But for Tony La Russa, I mean, it was a weird fit when he was hired. It felt like baseball passed him at the time of his hiring because, like we keep saying, old he was old so i think they need to get a younger guy in there maybe you stay with the miguel cairo i just think you need someone that could connect and relate to those players because i just felt like you were never going to be on the same page with the tony la Russa and the chicago white Sox team which was one of the younger in baseball when he was hired so i don't like that um i didn't like that pairing at the time so hopefully they can move on and get an upgrade there don mattingly i feel like it's been a weird situation in miami because if he got fired um it would be justifiable because i mean back-to-back subs 70 seasons the last couple years the Marlins have been terrible the seven years under Don Mattingly but I think he should have been fired probably right after they traded their entire outfield away in Yelich Ozuna and Stan because those teams were scuffling when they had talent when they still had the great Jose Fernandez on those teams as well with those three MVP candidates that's when those teams probably should have went to the postseason they were really disappointing a lot of those years so that's probably when you should have fired Don Mattingly and just rebuilt and restarted that whole um, franchise so now you're kind of doing it now it's probably a little little uh too little too late because i don't think if you bring a new manager in there you're gonna get different results at least anytime soon because yes you have talent in that rotation but that lineup is bad like to come to the defense of don mattingly like it's not like he was gonna make the postseason the last couple years i think i got yeah. a lot of spit on my mouth now i'm talking so much sure. that, that team hasn't been very good uh in terms of talent and roster construction so kim has to go in the 
in the offseason to add some talent to that team because I like that rotation. I like some of the pieces in that bullpen, but that lineup yeah. is just not good enough. They're, they're going to have the Cy Young Award winner with yeah, Alcantara. Yeah, he's run away. Pitchers on that team. Yeah, he should be the yeah. runaway Cy Young Award winner. And number unanimous. two. No, unanimous. Not, not even, I mean, unanimous. There's, there's no question he should win the Cy Young Award. Yeah, the real question is, should Zach Allen finish runner-up because he had that scoreless streak, one of the longest of all time, so Zach Allen should be number two. And then my final point of the managers before I wrap up this long soliloquy I have over here, it just I feel bad for the Blue Jays manager Charlie Montoya for getting fired midseason because I felt like like that was a little bit of a knee-jerk reaction I mean I guess the new interim manager it does have a betting winning percentage than Montoya but Montoya was the manager of the year candidate last year I felt like he shouldn't have been fired midway through the season I felt like that happened too quickly the Rangers manager Chris Woodward I didn't understand him getting fired because I felt like this was a three-year plan for the Rangers felt like he came into right. this year trying to add pieces just establish a foundation and then go in the next couple off seasons and still build to this team i didn't think you were trying to win now right now championship or bust but i guess it was for the rangers so i didn't understand them firing their manager and then on the angels joe madden to tie it all together his firing was also justifiable because they were started hot then went on like what that 17 game losing streak they looked terrible yeah, it was disastrous. and now he's doing this whole pr campaign where he's i mean i probably agree with him a little bit about how it might have been the front office and the pushing of the analytics onto him and how they just never went out there and got him a rotation i still feel like joe madden has a lot of cachet in baseball he's still considered probably a genius he still led that Rays team to great heights broke the curse for the chicago cubs so i think he's gonna find a team pretty easily because because I still think Joe Madden is probably considered a genius in baseball circles. I concede my time. Um, I wonder about like managers like who have had success but also saw their teams trade everyone around them. Like Dave Martinez managed the Nationals to the to a World Series title in 2019, and they're going to lose 100 games this year. And for someone like him, it might be a situation similar to what happened with Bob Melvin, who said, like, "I don't want to sit through another rebuild. I don't want to go. I don't want to go through the rebuild. I have I could have value as a manager for a team that could win now." Your buddy uh, Tori Lavolo, who managed the Diamondbacks to the playoffs. Mm -hmm. uh, very good baseball mind, very good manager. Manager Just, of the year that year. Yeah. I mean, the, maybe he sticks around because the Diamondbacks are showing signs of improvement and showing signs like they're not, you know, they're not a hundred loss team this year. There is, you and I have talked about this, that there's, you know, they're going to, they're going to win, you know, they're, they're going to be like uh, under 90 losses this year. So, yeah. I mean, it's, they're, they're they've made improvements. So maybe Lavolo wants to be there for when they, you know, when they turn the corner, but Martinez is one that I find interesting because he was one of uh, uh, Joe Madden's lieutenants in Tampa. And then when Madden left, he took with him to Chicago and then was a highly sought after managerial candidate, went to Washington. They won the world series under him. So he's clearly, you know, he, he's clearly a good baseball mind and for a team like the angels that could use someone like, you know, uh, I think a team like the angels needs better pitching and they need a veteran hand. Um, he's someone I would really would consider here. Here's the question. Like I keep thinking about where Joe Madden should land. And of course, line up your drinks, everyone. 
Bruce Bochy's lieutenants deserve a job. Uh, Roberto Kelly, Hensley Mullins. I have someone who writes every time I bring up Bruce Bochy's lieutenants, they do a shot. Um, That's what that's about, for those of you who are new to the show. Um, I still think the best place for Joe Madden to land is uh, is Minnesota. Mm. I think Minnesota has some talent there. They have they you know they could spend some money there, and you put him in there, it sends a message to the team that we're trying to win right now. Uh, I think that would be an interesting fit, um, and I think that he would be he would be an interesting fit for that team, which I think is closer to contending than you know other people. I, but we're, I'm poor Mike Schilt. Well, the manager of the year in 2019 had the Cardinals on a massive winning streak to push him into the playoffs last year, then got fired, and his name isn't even coming up. No. The disrespect to managers. Yeah, for Joe Madden, um, I think it would be kind of interesting if you went back to the American League East and maybe he went to Toronto and and managed the Blue Jays with all that talent. Or, like you said, if the Yankees don't make it to the World Series and they let go of Aaron Boone, maybe Joe Madden to New York, a big market team. You break uh, break the curse with the Yankees after doing it with the Cubs. You're, I mean, he's already a made man, but you just go to another level of legend status if you're Joe Madden and you do it in Chicago and New York. That's true. Well, you're going to take it to a new level of legend status by doing this every Monday with me. Hey, Miller, tell people where they can listen to your terrific show. Hey, you can listen to me locked on Diamondbacks of the show. Follow me on Twitter at CareerThomas24 for my personal account. Follow the show account locked on Diamondbacks. We're on YouTube, locked on Diamondbacks on YouTube, and we're on all your podcasting platforms. And we are available at Locked On MLB Pods on Twitter and on Instagram. And I'm your pal Sully. I'm at Sully Baseball on Twitter, Sully Baseball Podcast on Instagram. We're on YouTube. And uh, subscribe to Locked On MLB on YouTube because I've been doing a lot of live streaming. And so if you want to hop on and maybe throw something in the chat, uh, I'll answer questions you throw in the chat. You know, I'm trying to trying to fill six or seven of these a week so I can use your hand. And, and hey, um, if you have anything you want me to talk about, uh, especially in the off season, which is not that far from now, uh, send it to my send it to my personal account right there at Sully Baseball on Twitter. Uh, I check that a hell of a lot more frequently than I check uh, my Instagram. But hey, talking about the Guardians, the baby Guardians who are could be dangerous this October. Judge and Pujols telling us why we love the game and who's going to be managing the teams next year. This has been the Locked On MLB, Locked On Diamondbacks crossover. I'm Paul Francis. Sullivan. You call me Sully. That's Miller Thomas, and we're going to fist bump this for another week. Boom. That's it for this edition of the Lockdown Dimebacks podcast. Come back tomorrow for more Dimebacks news coverage and insight. Shout out Sully Baseball for always doing the crossovers with me. Thank you for making Lockdown Dimebacks your first listen every day. Go make your second listen of the day. Lockdown MLB with our pal Sully Baseball, who you just heard. As always, come back tomorrow for more Dimebacks news coverage and insight. And as always, stay safe, stay healthy. Deuces.